Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Tea Balance podcast with me, Tori Bowie. I'm a holistic health and life coach and founder of Tea Balance, the coaching practice that I've created to help individuals tune into themselves to be able to live their life to the fullest. During this series, I'll be chatting to some of the people who inspire me most, many of which happen to be my greatest teachers. I really am all about a balance and I believe there are so many areas of our life that we need to find a balance in to be able to live at our fullest capacity and feel the best we can. In today's podcast, I'm going to be chatting to Grace Kingswell, the former marketing director of my favourite juice bar, Seapress. Grace is a qualified nutritional therapist who offers personalized one-to-one consultations in nutritional therapy and lifestyle medicine. She has a particular interest in gut health and digestion, liver function and skin complaints, having spent most of her life suffering with chronic conditions that have left her fatigued, depressed, reactive to everything she ate and feeling like she just couldn't live a normal life. She really understands how to generally ease her clients out of a negative space. I hugely admire Grace and have spent lots of time with her over the past couple of years. I've watched her on her amazing self-healing journey and I know it's been incredibly tough and has caused stress in multiple areas of her life. I'm really excited for you to hear this podcast. So without further ado, let's go. lovely to see you. How are you? Hi, Tori. I'm <laughs> fine. I'm really excited to be on this side of the microphone. Yeah, welcome to my podcast. I know. I'm really like honoured to be the first guest oh, and honoured that you so to want you. to talk to me about my little life. <laughs> oh my gosh, of course. Well, I'm so excited to hear. So can you let us know a little bit about what you've been up to and what your journey, your story, etc.? Yeah, so I am a nutritional therapist. Um, I also work in marketing, um, or have done for the last couple of years, and yeah, I guess my story is one of kind of self-healing and self-discovery via natural methods and a whole lifestyle approach to health, which has led me to kind of where I am now, where I'm trying to help other people heal in the way that I know was really successful for me which is why I turned to nutritional medicine because conventional medicine just wasn't really working Um, and I think when you have like unexplained symptoms that doctors and staff can't really put in a box then no one really knows how to help you and I think at that stage a lot of it has to come from you Um, so for me it's just been one long old journey Mm -hmm. to get to where I am now and I wouldn't say I'm like 100% I don't, I mean, I don't know if anyone is like 100% healthy these days, do you? No, definitely not. And no one's ever 100% healed, I don't think, really. No, exactly. The whole thing's a journey. But from now to where I was, you know, this time last year, Mm. the transformation's been miraculous. So, yeah, really happy at the moment. Oh, I'm so glad. And what was it? Because you were living in Australia, weren't you, before? And was that when you, were you ill when you were there? Or was it kind of after? So I was, but to be honest, it's been my whole life. Um, I remember growing up when I was at school, there was just never a day where I didn't wake up feeling like a bus had hit me. Mm-hmm. And I was just worn out 100% of the time. Um, 
I mean, I still think it's like a small miracle that I achieved highly at school and got a good university degree because I, I now fully understand what my body was going through. But at the time was just kind of like, I kept trying to pin it on food because I was so, my mum brought me up really, really healthily and always cooked such amazing meals. And because food is the only thing that you can control that's going into your body, I think it's very easy to pin everything on that. So I was constantly tired. I had terrible digestion all throughout my life. I've always been the kind of person, not necessarily bloated, but like a really farty my whole life, which is just like hard and it's embarrassing. And it's like, you'll feel uncomfortable. And then you're in a public situation and you're kind of holding in and you get terrible trap wind. I mean, I hospitalized myself once with trap wind pains. They were that bad. I thought there was something else going on. I was like, I'm having an appendicitis. Take me to hospital. And and they were like, you just have really bad trap wind. Anyway, so I've always had um, eczema since I was a baby and it's been really bad over the years, kind of up and down. And I always used steroid creams on it and took antihistamines and things like that. And I just never really knew. I knew something wasn't right, but I had no idea what it was. And because I ate such a healthy diet, I kind of assumed like there couldn't be nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it was a bit of a shock, really, how it all kind of kicked off. I was on a language course in Spain with a friend of mine called Rose and we're still close friends to this day. I don't know how she managed to like forgive me for the two weeks we spent together, but I basically... We got there and I just started having these terrible, terrible pains in my stomach, like quite low down, um, you know, where your kind of hip meets your abdomen in that crease. And I basically just, it was so bad. I, I couldn't get out of bed and I was having really bad diarrhea, terrible pains, like crying and in pain. And I was obviously on the phone to my parents all the time and, and they were wanting to come out and like jump on a flight But I kept sort of being like, no, it must be something I'm eating. You know, it must be food. So as a consequence, because the pain was so bad, I just didn't eat. Because I was like, this is causing me pain. So it was really, it got so bad. I remember on the last day that we were in Spain, before we were flying home, I had like a very unfortunate episode in the bathroom where I was like in such agony. I had really bad stomach stuff and I basically needed to throw away my underwear because there was no saving it and we're about to leave this we were being hosted by this Spanish lady and um I just I didn't know what to do I just like put it in the bin and then we left her house so (laughs) this is like an apology going out into the atmosphere (laughs) um but that's just to illustrate how bad things had got Mm. anyway I crawled through security on my hands and knees and we got to Gatwick um I really couldn't stand up the pain was so bad God, and they rushed me to A&E and it turns out I had a lump on my left ovary the size of a grapefruit which had been growing obviously for years and years and years kind of just making me feel like shit um and what's really interesting is and I'm sure we'll get onto this later but I'm really influenced by like Chinese medicine yeah. and things like that I'd gone to see my Chinese doctor, this happened in the summer, and I'd gone to see my Chinese doctor in the January of that year and said to him, like, look, I'm really not well, and I was having these pains. And he gave me some herbs, which cleared it, like, it went away. And I know that, obviously, we do need conventional medicine every now and again for interventions like the one that I needed to have when I got back from um, Spain, but it, that was amazing to me that, the, that it was so powerful. It actually managed to calm whatever was going on for the months it was until I went to Spain anyway um so 
So yeah, it was a kind of a medical mystery. They didn't know how I'd got that lump. They, it was called an abscess. And they were saying, you know, there's no way that an infection could have gotten into your body. You're not sexually active. Um, so they, I had a laparoscopy, which is like keyhole surgery. And they drained it. So I woke up with a tube about this big, like a centimetre wide, coming out of my belly button, like draining into a bag. And I was in hospital for about two and a half weeks. Um, I went down to about seven stone and I'm five foot eight. So I was really, not because I had any kind of bad relationship with food. And you know how much I love food, but I just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to eat. The pain was just like awful. Anyway, so I had heaps of antibiotics discharged from hospital, all fine. You know, I'm 17, very optimistic. I think I blacked out a lot of what they said. And it's only now having spoken to my mum that she said that the doctors at the time said there's a real possibility that her tubes will be blocked. And, you know, she's infertile. But I I completely didn't, like, acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. I just went on my way. I went back to school. Um, operation put on weight, which was great. Loads of biscuits. <laughs> and just kind of, yeah, got back into things and learned to really love the scars on my tummy and just felt felt fine. Obviously still really tired and dealing with all the other stuff that I always was. Um, and then a couple of years after that, I was at university. I was in a long-term relationship. And I went to see my gynecologist because I've always found sex very painful. Now, obviously, I when I had that first operation, wasn't sexually active. So the only knowledge of, like, stuff in that area that I... The only sensation that I could, I don't know, associate it with was pain and, like, intervention. So there's obviously a bit of deep-seated trauma there with me when it comes to, like, intimacy. But I was finding sex really painful, and I was like, this is no way to live your life. This is not fair. You know, I want to sort this out. So I went to see my gynecologist, and I was like, look, it's really painful. Can you do something? Um... When you have an operation, it creates a lot of scar tissue. And I felt that I knew. I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's a scar tissue. It's like being impacted and it really hurts. And he was like, okay, great. We'll do a scan. We'll just see like what's there. And then maybe we can do another laparoscopy and like try and cut some of that scar tissue away. And I was like, this sounds great. Okay, let's do it. And so they did the scan. And then he was like, oh, so your left fallopian tube is infected. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Um, And he was like, well, it's dangerous because if any of that infected material were to, like, seep down into your womb, then obviously, like, you're basically royally screwed for life in terms of fertility and everything. But at the moment, if they removed the tube, then, like, business is normal, basically. So it was quite a big decision because I wasn't ill. I kind of had to say, yeah, I want to have this operation so discussed it, obviously, with my parents and everything. And we were like, yeah, obviously, it's really important because I don't want this infection ruining stuff. So that was all scheduled in. But when I woke up, they'd actually taken out both, which was a real shock in terms of, like, well, your life just changes, you know, for a woman. Of course. If you have one tube, you can still get pregnant naturally. If you don't have any, then there's, like... <laughs> You can't get from A to B. Oh my gosh, crazy. So that was really, uh, that was like... Sorry, how old are you at this stage? 22, 22, okay. And I just started working in London. I had a job at Chanel. I was like, life is good. Um, And I just had just the worst breakdown. I had to quit that job. I just couldn't cope. I kept like dissolving into tears. Mm. I remember there being one incident. I was living with two friends from uni. And I'd gotten home from work and got in the shower. And I was just like screaming. 
and they were like knocking on the door being like are you okay are you okay and I just I couldn't cope like it was mm. just a horrible horrible feeling um but and also to be told like even though at 22 I know that you weren't sort of trying to have a family no. or thinking about babies at that age but at the same time yeah it really must physically physically impact and mentally impact kind of what's going on even when that isn't something that you're... Yeah, and I think actually at the time I was kind of... It more felt like I was mourning a loss for something. Like, yeah. I wanted to know where they'd put my tubes. Like, I wanted to know what happened to them. Like, I felt very weird about the fact that something was taken out from, from the inside of me. They also took out my appendix at the same time, which now being a nutritional therapist, I'm very annoyed about because your appendix is a really important hub of um, gut bacteria. Okay, it's like a, that? It's like a little reserve for gut bacteria. Okay. So I'm really pissed off that they took that out. <laughs> but apparently it was, like, stuck down by my groin where it should be, like, up here. Everything was, like, okay, very so stuck. Okay, so Let's get it out. Fair it's moved. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of... It felt like I was... Someone had died. Yeah, and that, I can totally see that. That was what I was really upset about. It's only now that I'm older and I'm married and I'm settled down that the actual impact of the whole you can't have children naturally is actually sunk in. Anyway, um, mm. so, so yeah, so then everything kind of just was all right for a while and I just kind of got on with life, really. Um, I went to live in the Caribbean. I, so I, I had to quit my job at Chanel because I could not cope. And I started working in a shop um, because I actually just really needed to be around people because my mental health was yeah. not in a good place. Um, so I was working at Brown's on South Moulton Street. And after about eight months, I just had had enough. I couldn't deal with the fact that I just graduated from Cambridge and I was working in a shop like don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with working in sales and actually for that particular point in my life it was great but this opportunity came up to manage a boutique in the Caribbean and I was just like I'm gonna do it and it was really good for me I was there for nearly six months I just really came out of my shell really enjoyed life again um and so healing the sea and yeah the sand. <laughs> hugely hugely and um I came back and I, I think it was around this time that I got really pissed off with my skin. Like, I had really spotty skin. And again, I was just like, this is not fair. I should not have to live like this. I didn't even have acne, but it wasn't great. So off I went to the doctor, um, you know, not really un- understanding anything about antibiotics and the way they work at, at this time in my life, but still living a very healthy lifestyle. And I was like, look, the creams aren't working. Give me some tablets. I basically was I basically was angling for varactin because I just wanted it fixed. But they were like, no, you have to do antibiotics first. And my skin wasn't even that bad. And I look back at myself now and I'm just like, you idiot. But I basically, you know how you can ring up for a repeat prescription? Mm-hmm. I did that for over a year with broad spectrum antibiotics. So I, obli- having already having really bad gut health, yeah. I obliterated my gut flora. Oh, grace. And I shouldn't have been allowed to um, keep getting repeat prescriptions for that long. I know. But I was like, this is great. I don't have, my skin is fantastic. I'm just going to keep doing this. And it was around the same time that I met um, Nick, my husband. And when I met him, I was this happy, carefree girl that had just come back from St. Lucia. I was loving life. I was so confident in myself. And we just hit it off and it was amazing. And then within about maybe six months, like, my life just went so downhill. And yes, I had terrible medical trauma a few years previously, but for me, it's actually been the last four years that have Mm. been the worst and the hardest because I basically started getting all of these chronic conditions that so many of us 
deal with these days that you can't put a name to. Mm -hmm. So the fatigue was unreal, like could not cope, tired. Eczema all the time, um, really terrible food allergies and just like this feeling of really, really, really depressed, really low. Um, And I was quite fed up with my job at this point. Um, And Nick is Australian and his visa was running out. So he was like, I'm, I have to go back to Australia. But I already knew that he was the man I wanted to marry. So I was like, well, if I don't really enjoy my job. Let's go to Australia for a year together or two years. I love that you just did that. Also, can we just quickly say, so the way that you met Nick, am I right in saying that yeah. you heard him playing? Yeah, I picked him up off the <laughs> street. Yeah, you picked him up off the street, which I literally love. So he's a musician. Yeah, so he was, I was running a pop-up shop on Portobello Road. And um, the pop-up shop was just opposite. And then often the buskers are terrible. And then one day there was this really good-looking Australian surfery guy with long hair who had a great voice. And obviously being musical myself, I was like, oh, who is this? <laughs> I basically waltzed up to him. As I said, I was really confident at this stage. I would never do this now. I waltzed up to him. Literally, he was in the middle of his set in between songs. And I went, you know, I'm probably a better singer than you. And then I just walked off down the street in my little short shorts. Because it was summer. Amazing. And he must have just been like, who is this arrogant girl? But yeah. also, you know, I'm a bit intrigued. And we just hit it off. And that was it, really. That's so great. I um, love that. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, I interrupted you. So you moved to Australia. So we go to Australia. And just shit just hits the fan. Like, so bad. So my eyes started swelling up. Which I guess was the most physical expression of what I was going through. The non-physical expression was terrible depression. Nick became like my carer. It was, we didn't have like sexual chemistry, romantic relationship anymore. It was like, I need you to look after me. Like I can't, I could not cope. But I was also really unhappy and angry at the world and I was terrible to him and it was awful. So my eczema got really bad. My digestion was so, so awful. I felt like I couldn't digest any food and I had bloating and like gas 24-7 which again doesn't make you feel sexy of course. um and and then about halfway through the year I woke up one morning and my left eye was swollen so big I could hardly see out of it it was red the skin was red raw I had eczema all over my face and my neck and I've never had it on my face before it's usually just like arms and stuff and I was just beside myself I'd I it was so painful and so demoralising. I just didn't know what to do. And just before we'd left to go to Australia, I'd finally gone to see a functional medicine doctor. And she had discovered that I had SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Okay. So I'd basically obliterated all of my gut flora, which had allowed a, pro- a proliferation of like the bad, in inverted commas, bacteria to overgrow and colonise my gut. So that's why I was experiencing all of these symptoms on my skin. There's a connection between your liver and your bowel called the enterohepatic connection, which means that what's in your bowel gets recycled to your liver and then your liver tries to detox it. And the way it does that is it sends it back to your bowel to be excreted. But if the bowel is toxic, then toxins are going back to your liver. So I was really struggling with phase two detoxification, which meant that I had all these circulating toxins in my body making me feel like shit. My liver wasn't coping, which meant that my kidneys were kind of under-functioning. My energy was awful. Um, I was reacting to all of these different foods. Um, I was, I've developed a really strong histamine intolerance. So all of our food naturally contains something called histamine. And also histamine is what we react to in the summer with pollen. So I started taking antihistamines every day not knowing again that they would be 
adding to my overall body's toxic load, putting more pressure on my liver. And it's just this horrible circle. And I, I just started working with this incredible doctor. And then we went to Australia and I felt like it just all unraveled. And I, I couldn't find a practitioner there that I liked or knew what was going on. And I was just kind of out there on my own. And yes, we had a nice year. Like we got engaged while we were there, which is obviously a really joyous mm. moment. But I also just couldn't wait to come home so I could see Bev again and just try and finally heal. And I did, and it was a long old journey. As with all natural medicine, you, you treat one thing and then something else crops up. So at first it was like, okay, let's sort out the bacterial overgrowth. And then it was like, oh, okay, your liver needs supporting. Oh, okay, you've got KPU, which is something to do with like zinc and B vitamins. And oh, okay, now you've got this huge histamine problem. And my eye swelling and my eczema kept happening when I was back in the UK. And that was that was took took us up to last winter, so like a year and a half. Yeah, ago. I remember when you have that. Yeah, so and I was working um, the, at this point full time at Sea Press, and I would be, I'd I'd have bandages on my wrists all day every day because it was the only way I could stop myself scratching, and I had eyes swollen and red, and this huge red rash around my lips just trying to go back about a normal job and like hold it all together and can you imagine me just like walking into meetings like that just being like hi I'm Grace and and also I also remember because all the while this is happening you're also studying to be a nutritional yeah so I started doing that while I was in Australia yeah and but I remember how um you would say how can I help people how can I put myself out there Mm. when I'm when this is going on for me and I remember saying to you just being like we are never, as we said at the beginning, we are never fully healed. Yeah. Everyone's on their journey. And every single person who's in, well, probably most sort of wellness industry yeah. or like any area is because they're on their own healing journey and mm. they're, they're teaching people what they learned and things. And it's so interesting listening to you speaking now. And I really, really do just think, actually, you go, girl. Yeah. Get out there, do your thing. Because looking at you today, Grace is sitting here in the sunlight a vision and it's so amazing i know that you sometimes have flare-up i think i think you're right i think and we spoke about this as well to do with what you do you were saying people really come to me and and they look at they look up to me as this person that's like really balanced got got everything together and i think it does make you relatable as well like i a lot of people reach out to me through instagram going i would love to come and see you for consultation like i've i've got stuff going on with my liver as well and I think when they, they've seen what you've gone through, it kind of helps in a way. Totally. Yes, I want to be this, like, well, healthy, happy person, but at the same time, I'm not going to lie um, and say that I'm feeling great. Like, I am, at the moment, having, like, a little bit of a flare-up because it's hay fever season, so my body's not very good at dealing with histamine anyway, and now I've got all this extra pollen, so I'm, like, not great, but I'm still so much better than where I was. But, yeah, it's just been one hell of a journey, and I kind of feel like... Orthodox medicine basically got me into this mess. I had no support whatsoever going through all of that stuff. Um, from a mental health perspective, they gave me five counselling sessions after they took out my tubes without telling me, which I wasn't even re- I wasn't even ready to talk about it. And then from a, from a position of like you know my GP surgery, letting me stay on antibiotics for that long, and it was only really when I found functional medicine, Chinese medicine, nutritional therapy that I actually begun to understand what was happening in my body and the really complex systems that take place like how how your liver is connected to your bowel and how um what's happening in your liver is is mirrored by what's happening on your skin and stuff like that and I could kind of see how why it was all happening so yeah that's where I am so today. interesting I mean I'm so proud of you because 
honestly, it's just actually so depressing when your mm. body isn't functioning yeah. the way that A, it should, or yeah. B, you want it to. And I'm so proud of you for yeah. getting to where you are. And, and it's made me... I, I feel like I... I mean, it's a sad thing to say, but I I, I lost all of my 20s. Mm. Like, I, I never really had that much fun in the sense of... I was so angry at school that all of my friends could kind of go out to 3am and drink and be fine. And I could never do that. Mm. And I could never do that at university either. I tried really hard and wound up with glandular fever, which didn't help mm. the whole process. And what I've actually learned from it is that actually happiness comes from from being healthy and from being balanced. And it, it doesn't actually matter how you get there. And you shouldn't... I've, I don't compare myself to people anymore because it's my journey. Mm. And if what makes me happy is a really healthy meal and, like, an episode of something on TV, then that's fine. I don't have to go out and get pissed. Like, I'm all right with that, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you don't drink, do you? Or Not really. I mean, it sounds cheap to say it, but I'd love to. Like, I'd love to be able to because I feel like there's so many situations in my life, like I touched on it earlier, but with the whole intimacy thing, because I've had so much going on in that area and then the past, like, three years, I've been basically this invalid... I've kind of lost that element of myself where I'm confident in my kind of feminine prowess, as you were. Like, I don't feel sex anymore. I feel like my hormones just haven't quite come back, even though everything else is coming into play. So part of me is like, I would love to just go out and like have loads of drinks and just be this carefree person and just feel everything again and just feel really passionate and really carefree. But actually like, it's just not worth it for the reaction it would give me. It's 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 like a tipping point. Like the last few weeks, I've really pushed it. We've gone out and I've had like a pizza and a glass of wine and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're suffering with a bit of inflammation again. And I'm feeling like, why did I, why did I do that? Like, it's actually not, for me, it's not worth it. Totally. And do you think it's one of those things, or oh, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but where maybe you need two years of just totally repairing everything? Because our bodies mm. do heal. You yeah. Know? Repairing everything and then slowly, slowly reintroducing mm. it. Well, our body, you're right, our bodies are amazing and they do heal, like the liver regenerates itself, blah, blah, blah. But I actually really firmly believe that, that, ha- that like I said, happiness comes from balance. And I don't think... I think me being the kind of person I am, and I love food so much, once I kind of feel like I'm better, I think I abuse that. And then I take things too far, like I did in the last few weeks. When I say that, it sounds like I've been doing, like, class A drugs. I haven't. I had, like, a pasta dish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just think... I. Th- I think we need to not look at things so so black and whitely when it comes to like, you know, needing two years of being good and then you cannot be good again. It's just it it has to work for you hundred percent of yeah. the time. Yeah, totally. We are all so different, and actually, you know, if I react, I don't react to foods like I don't have intolerances mm. like gluten or dairy. But sometimes if I'm having too much of something, yeah. then my skin like I actually haven't had a breakout in actually a really long time, and yeah. I've given up chocolate for Lent so I've been eating cheese as my thing and actually I've really noticed that actually it's yeah. you know I've got two breakouts and it's just I mean I annoying, think too much of anything too is much of not good bad for yeah. sure and I just think we have to we have to be okay with the problem is we're conditioned these days to grow up thinking that we deserve treats and that we deserve a slice of cake when we've done well at school or because our friends are having chocolate bars after school mm. or crisps then we should have them too and this 
this goes on until later in life. Like you've you've had a bad day at the office, you come home and like order a pizza, or you know, there's there's obviously so much worse that you, than you that you could have than like a harmless pizza. But it's that mindset. I think we all need to get out of this mindset of, I mean, food is enjoyment and it should be enjoyed, but it's also like there's a bit of a backlash at the moment um, on on the social media space as, of this term of food is medicine. But I passionately believe that it is mm. because I've seen how it can heal me. Totally. And I think there are people throwing stuff around saying, this is absolute BS, food is not medicine. And I'm just like, well, have, what's your first-hand experience? Mm. Like, I know that it's really important for nutritional professionals, nutrition professionals, sorry, to, to state the facts and to state the evidence-based advice. But the work that I'm trying to do it wouldn't fit into that that sphere where you can say to someone that dairy is okay because it's really high in calcium and actually you need that and actually no you know only one percent of the population have celiac disease so therefore we should all eat gluten because it's actually fine if you're trying to heal from something chronic like I was my body couldn't even I I ate a mono diet for like seven months What's I ate a mono diet sorry pumpkin Oh, I basically ate. Pumpkin. I basically just ate pumpkin, wow. and I had um, like a piece of chicken or a piece of fish, and maybe um, like oh, I think it was like green beans or something. My skin turned yellow because of all the beta carotene. Of course, um, but I had I I couldn't. I, I needed to do that to heal. So I just I find it really upsetting when people go around with huge like profiles in the spotlight and say that all of this stuff is just like quacks nonsense because there are actually people out there that need really specialized advice and help that yeah doesn't come under the nhs guidelines of nutrition it just doesn't and i don't know where i started with this i got on a bit of a ramp but that's what i'm kind of trying to do with my nutrition and like grace kingswell nutrition and lifestyle is trying to change the conversation a bit around this and make people see that actually it can't just be like a broad spectrum analysis of dietary health. It has to be on a very individual level if someone is dealing with something chronic. Totally. Fair enough. Like like you were saying, you'll find you don't have any allergies or intolerances, mm. you're in good health. Then, you know, you should just but, eat intuitively. Of course. And having said that, of course, if I have a week where I eat way better, in mm. better commas, you feel better. another week, of course I'm going to feel better. Yeah. My body's going to perform better and I'm going to wake up more easily and I'm going to want to exercise yeah. more I'm going to be a lot more motivated in my mind yeah. and I've definitely played around with that over the years or particularly with my journey you know I used to feel incredibly sluggish and getting out of bed in the morning was such a struggle so hard. I also believe that that probably had part to play in what I was actually doing when I got mm. out of bed and it's not something that I hugely enjoyed but I do think that of course food plays yeah. a part on like how our vehicles perform yeah. you know and it's but like, that's the conversation that we need to be having the one where it's like I understand that I'm bored, like pretty much healthy, mm. you know, ninety percent of the time. So I just need to increase my um, vegetables. I need to eat a balanced plate and eat this, mm-hmm. that. You know, don't victimize carbs. That's all fine and great. But what really gets to me is that people that are out there doing these wacky things that are actually having really positive impacts, like celery juice, mm-hmm. for example. We shouldn't be then going out on a huge scale and saying guys it's just 95 percent water just like give it up now you're wasting your time because you work for yeah because yeah. your body is your best scientific study if it works for your body like 
who gives a crap if there's been a paper written about it? Just keep doing it. Yeah, I saw your post actually a few yeah. months ago on that because it was just... Yeah, I just think that everyone has to appreciate that some things work for some and some things yeah. work for others. Yeah. And that's actually just full stop. Yeah. But... People. I mean, I'm not the kind of person that's, like, going to go out there and, and, like, mention names and call people out and, like, have an Instagram, like, debate. But I really do think that the people that really need the very bespoke help will always... That I think they will always seek out those more natural, functional, whether it's, like, Ayurvedic medicine or Chinese medicine or nutritional therapy. I think they will always know to seek those people out because they recognise that they need something a bit different to what just works for everyone. Yeah, of yeah. course. So. And actually, when you then find the things that really work for you and you've mm. trial and error everything, it's so nice to know that you have them as your, not buffers, but I suppose that, you know, they're sort of ben- they're helping you live a healthier life. Yeah. And it's actually like an act of self-care, I guess, yeah. in some it's ways. All, yeah, it? it's all it's self-care. Like, it's like self-preservation. You know, do what works for you. Find balance. Don't do anything to extremes. Mm. And just, yeah, find the happiness. Find the joy. That your mind is your best ally when you're healing. Totally. Totally, totally. And so, obviously, we were just speaking about sort of drinking and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Like, this has massively changed in the last few... Because I watch... Sorry, it's changed in the last few years, but I watch you on Instagram. Like, sometimes you're doing this diet as such. Mm. Well, I hate calling it a diet because I hate diets. But yeah, just like way, way of eating. eating. Um, and what is, what is it... How are you kind of eating at the moment? Like, what are you finding is working for you? And So, I... I'm I'm terrible because like I said to you I love food like I'm really really obsessed with flavors and I love to cook and I come from this family of women who are obsessed with food we're always thinking about what we're going to have for our next meal I'm sure a lot of people listening will relate to this yeah um and I'm a provider like I love to cook for people and I find a lot of enjoyment comes from food but what I'm learning more and more actually through Chinese medicine is that keeping everything in balance you can know kind of the same you know not stepping too far out of what's normal for me that's where my body responds best so at the moment I'm just trying to yeah I, I'm trying I'm trying to eat a bit of everything to be honest because I, I do think that's a really good way to to kind of go forward and like I've never I've never wanted to be restrictive I've had to be um in certain situations I remember when we first met I was having to avoid foods that were high in histamine because I was having this huge, itchy, scratchy, swelling reaction. And the foods that are high in histamine are so random. And they're also all the good ones, like chocolate, avocados, bananas. Um, So it was really hard. No one could put me in a box. It's like I couldn't eat in restaurants. You know, I wasn't gluten-free. I wasn't dairy-free. Yeah, super tricky. It's really hard. But at the moment, I basically... Just, I usually start my day with porridge. I always start my day with warm water and some ginger, um, fresh ginger. And then I, non-negotiable for me in the morning is a boiled egg. Um, Really? Yeah. So in With your porridge? Well, (laughs) this is so funny, (laughs) but my Chinese doctor's always said, like, put the egg in the porridge. And I've always said, like, I can't. Well, in the pan or in the bowl? Like so, so, once you've made the porridge and you put it in, kind of hard boiled egg. I mean, I don't do it because I said to him, "I like, I was like, gross, I cannot do that." So I eat a boiled egg and then I make porridge. But my husband Nick, um, I told him this, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to try it because he's always looking for like a quicker route." So he cooks his porridge and then he takes off the hob, cracks the egg in, and then that kind of cooks it. Oh my gosh! So he like scrambles egg in porridge. Well, it's if if it's scrambled, then that's bad. But what happens is it basically just makes it really silky and really thick. 
And I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. It's like eggy porridge, but he loves it. Oh, well, he puts great. like cinnamon so and what peanut butter. So what does he butter. say? What does he say is good about that? So if you think about an egg, and I'm really sorry, this will offend lots of vegans out there, but I mean, we can touch on this later. Like I, for my overall health, have never been able to follow a plant-based diet because my body needs the nutrients that are more bioavailable than animal mm-hmm. foods. And I just have to come to terms with that. But if you think about an egg, it contains everything that it needs to create a life. Oh yeah. So it's it's highly nutrient dense. It's got it's got so much goodness in. It also gives you protein, which for me, if I don't have some form of protein in the morning, I get very hungry. Like if I was just to have a bowl of oats in two hours, I'd be like craving another sugary fix, basically. But when you eat proteins and fats along with sugars, i.e., carbohydrates from oats it slows the release of the sugar in that food, so you get less of a blood sugar spike. Okay, I'm going to try this. Yeah, so... Porridge with egg. Yeah, so I always have a boiled (laughs) egg, and then I make porridge. At the moment, I put um, a bit of ghee in a pan, and then I put in ground turmeric, and then my oats and my oat milk, and then um, at the end, I put in a little bit of blackstrap molasses, because it gives it, like... It's so delicious. Yeah, so good. Um, and then it's kind of summer, summerish at the moment, springtime. So I'm focusing on a lot of like fresh ingredients, like salads, a lot of like broccoli sprouts, um, radishes. I try and have chicory every day because that's quite good for things like hay fever. Um, oh, good tip. Yeah, again, that's something from, that comes from Chinese yeah. medicine. We've spoken to so many people lately to, um, struggling with hay fever. Well, I, this year, I'm because I'm, I, I was on antihistamines for over a year, and they screwed up my liver, and I'm not going to take them this year. Okay. But that might be famous. Well, okay. I get hay fever really badly, so I don't know, just like watch this space. But <laughs> Oh my gosh, well, good luck. So yeah, yeah so chicory's a really good Yeah, chicory's really good. Well, I, I don't know if it's an antihistamine, but I don't know. It's also like, I just try and eat what's seasonal as well, because yeah. I know that that... If really it's helps. seasonal, then your body's going to be craving it at that time. So at the moment, um, like rhubarb's in season. Yeah. So I made a rhubarb cauliflower? crumble last night. Is cauliflower in season? I don't know. I keep seeing them everywhere. <laughs> oh, I feel like I see Maybe. them. Maybe. I try and go to farmer's markets because then I know what's in season. But it's quite hard to tell if you're shopping in a supermarket. But Very, very, very um, true. And like wild garlic and stuff's in season at the moment as well. Yes. Yummy. Yeah. And then I don't know, in the evenings, like... Just try and... I try and do a lot of soups with bone broth. So I do, like, a roast chicken once a week, and then I will make bone broth with the okay. bones and then make a really rich, hearty vegetable soup with it. Um, so but I don't avoid... That. I mean, at the moment, I don't avoid things like sourdough. I occasionally have dairy. I don't drink milk, but if I fancy having some pasta, mm. then I will have some pasta. Or if I fancy, like, a little bit of cheese... Yeah, or a um, cup of tea, you'll have your milk and, you know. Yeah, yeah. but I, I keep that to a minimum because I definitely notice that it makes my eczema a little bit worse. Okay. Um, but on the whole, I just eat lots of vegetables. Yeah, Lots Delicious. of nutrients, lots of different grains like um, amaranth and millet, yeah. not just sticking to like rice and quinoa. But also I always think whenever I look at your Instagrams, I'm like, oh my gosh, she is so good at being <laughs> creative with food. If you don't follow Grace, find her on Instagram, Grace Kingswell. Yeah, That's Grace Kingswell. Yeah. I think when you only have a list of like five ingredients that you can eat, it makes you creative. I remember making pancakes from roasted pumpkin and peanut butter and that what? was literally like, was all that was in them. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so creative. Okay, so you have obviously just made the transition from working at Seapress as mm, their marketing director, full-time, yeah. full-time, also studying, to being freelance. Yeah. How have you found that? It's actually been fine. So I'll fill you in. I didn't 
I didn't uh, decide this myself. I lost my job. Um, through no fault of my own, there was some stuff going on with Seapress that meant that they needed to make some cuts really quickly. And unfortunately, the marketing department was deemed as non-essential. Um, and I had kind of been trying to make the move to freelance anyway. I'd already picked up one freelance client, um, which is an incredible swimwear brand called Stay Wild Swim. And it's all made from regenerated ocean plastic. And I'm so passionate about that. And um, I was kind of doing that on the side. And I just qualified um, at this point as a nutritional therapist. And I was like, this is really where I want to go. I always knew that I wanted to build up my own profile so that I could do the things that I really wanted to do, which for me is like host events, um, curate interesting panel discussions and just, you know. So the rug was kind of pulled out from under my feet a little bit, but I just decided, do you know what? I'm just going to have to try and make this work. I did interview for a full-time job last week and I got uh, a second round interview, but I knew in my gut that it wasn't what I wanted to do. I gave everything in the interview, but actually I didn't get it. And when I read that email, I was so relieved. I felt like wow. celebrating that I didn't get yeah. it because I was like, I was so worried that they were going to offer it to me and I'd asked for pretty good money. And then I was worried they were going to offer it to me and I was going to have to make a decision between, oh, you know, I should take this job, like security, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, oh, just do it for six months, do it for a year. When actually in my heart of hearts, I knew that that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. But um, my job at Seapress was quite flexible in terms of where I worked from and the hours that I worked. So I was almost like being freelance anyway. Yeah, but um, and actually, I think it's the, one of the nicest transitions into actually being freelance, having yeah. that kind of wide reign with yeah. a full time job. If yeah, you know what I mean, because you still have to get up and be somewhere, but you Definitely. also can work. I mean, I literally work from my laptop wherever I yeah. am. Put me in a bath, and I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean? <laughs> definitely don't do that. But um, yeah, it's I'm so happy for you, and I'm also just so re- I'm so so happy that that actually happened mm. with C Press because I don't know how long you would have actually carried on there. You probably could have stayed yeah, for because years. I was. I mean, I it's remember speaking to it lots. Of, I was quite unhappy at stages. Mm. I mean, generally it was fun, like a fantastic experience, and I loved the job, but. I've definitely always been the kind of person that's wanted to be my own boss. I still don't really know, like, financially how I'm doing now that I'm freelance because it's very, very early days. Mm. So obviously that is a concern at the moment. You know, there's still money in the bank. But, um, yeah, it's been good. And actually it's been a real confidence boost because two days after I put that news on my social media, I had our competitors knocking on my door being like, let's talk. So that made me feel really good. That's amazing. Well, you did do an amazing job. Thank you. With C-Press. Thank and you. And I love Seapress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love it so much anymore. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it's still a very nice brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you talked about sort of listening to your gut and your yeah. gut was telling you no. Like, I am so huge on that and the intuition and really, really, like, mm. preach, not preach that to my clients, but it's definitely something that we work through, of course. So I really want to hear some gut hacks from yeah. you. So I am so obsessed with gut health. It's like my specialist subject because for me, it's been the root of firstly all my problems and secondly all of my healing. So I was on the low FODMAP diet for a very long time. You know, never thought I was going to eat onion and garlic again. And then I was on that crazy low histamine diet and I was gluten-free for so many years and dairy-free for so many years. And I wasn't just doing that for a fad. I actually needed to be all of those things free because again, I think that's something that's victimized at the moment within social media space and this whole evidence-based nutrition thing. But actually, you know, it's okay to be gluten-free like it is. Anyway, but now all I do is eat garlic and onion, and Mm -hmm. I'm so happy. So for me, it's really about 
firstly, the first thing I'd say to people is like, treat probiotics with caution. Because what you need to establish before you try and do anything with your gut is what's actually growing in there. You know, like, let's analyze the different strains of bacteria. Let's see if you have any overgrowth. How do you find that out? You can do um, stool analysis. Okay. Like, for me, finding out if I had SIBO or not, I did a breath test where you... Uh, you don't eat for 12 hours and then you um, drink a solution of glucose and then you you breathe out into a tube every 20 minutes for two hours. And if you if your bacteria is, is fermenting that glucose and producing, it produces methane and hydrogen and the levels of those two gases will determine whether you have certain types of like bacteria and whether it's overgrown. Okay, how interesting. So... Basically, what probiotics are like a food. They're a great food source for our gut bacteria. And when you don't have anything sinister going on, they can be fantastic. However, if you have, a, if you have an imbalance of, of gut bacteria, which is what is called dysbiosis, if you put probiotics in there, it's just like, it's just fuel for the bad ones. Right, okay. And the bad ones... So it's not one, going to cure, like... Well, it will... It, it might cure, in inverted commas, because you're putting so much good in there, the effects of the bad are less badly felt. Mm-hmm. But actually, you can have too much bacteria and you can have you can take too many probiotics and too many fermented foods and it all just it's just kind of all becomes too much. So you really need to actually modify the levels. And you can do that with things like antimicrobial foods, like oregano oil, or you can look at things like modbiotics, which is quite a new area of research. And... I just want to say to everyone listening, like, I'm a nutritional therapist. What I do is quite niche. I'm not regulated by, like, the, like I'm not a, a, a registered nutritionist. A registered nutritionist wouldn't be able to say this stuff because they'd get into trouble. Whereas for me, I think it's fantastic that I can because it's all, like, really cutting-edge research, which actually can really help people. Yeah. So I just think, like, why not? Let's just try it. So... For me, what I had to do was um, try and stamp out the bad bacteria whilst building up the good bacteria. Okay. So that would be my first thing is like treat probiotics with caution. And also there's a big difference in um, probiotics. Like some are really good and some are just like pretend I take to be good. Proof. Yeah, interesting. I mean, a lot of people do. Yeah. Cause I, so I actually started taking it about 18 months ago and I think I took it for nine mm. months. And it was amazing to the point where I would bounce out of bed every morning. Mm. My skin was good. I had never really had problems with my digestion, but I mm. did feel, I guess, less bloated. Not that yeah. I ever really yeah. felt that bloated, but I felt, you know, everything was just kind of working mm. well. Mm. And also, I sometimes get quite dark and um, bad dark circles under my eyes. Yeah. And I really felt as though I didn't have any of those. I'm taking Simproof. Anyway, I stopped about nine months ago and I've just started again the last Mm. couple of weeks because it kind of came into my periphery Mm. and I just thought oh it's a sign (laughs) I need to take it again so I've started taking it again but it's really interesting and actually I've never had actually any problems with my gut per se so I'd be quite interested to know what my bacteria levels are yeah. like within my gut. So I mean, like if you've never had, yeah, I mean, if you've never had any problems, like you probably don't need to take anything because the best thing you can do for your gut is eat well. Yeah, eat, eat a really good range of foods because the fiber in our food is what our gut bacteria use to feed on. And if you've got good levels and there's nothing in there that's stopping you from having, like for example, you haven't taken antibiotics or like the concept of pill or something like that, then you probably are fine without mm. something like that. But I tend to go with... So does the contraceptive pill affect your gut? There is, like, it can do. Okay. It can do, yeah. Because it because it affects 
how your hormones are used and then there's this thing with estrogen and gut bacteria and I won't go into it but it can do okay um interesting <laughs> might talk to you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I I really like rhythm kefir yes um that's a, a coconut milk kefir and they do one called a life shot which I took for two weeks when I was at my worst and yeah it was it was really really good okay. but where I am now I probably wouldn't take that until I'd made sure that there was nothing do you know what I mean like yeah, like I, I was saying before about making sure those levels are correct mm-hmm. and blah 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 um, so basically just eating a balanced diet. Eating a balanced diet, yeah. But av- avoiding things like alcohol is really bad, isn't it? Well, just, I mean, yes and no. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't have alcohol in excess the same as I wouldn't have anything in okay. excess. Like, eating a good range of plants is always going to be good for your gut bacteria. Um, and just really tune in to what works for you. Like, if you eat... Um, rice and you feel terrible afterwards like maybe just don't have it but also think if you're going to take something out of your diet think about what you've taken out and do you need to get those nutrients from elsewhere like you know grains a lot of people are doing paleo and keto and all this stuff like grains are really high in b vitamins which we really need to drive our krebs cycle which gives us energy and blah 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 so it's like interesting you've got to make sure if you're going to just willy-nilly take something out that you're going to put it back in from elsewhere and also if you're doing something like keto not doing it for actually too long yeah because yeah i don't know reset but don't actually strip it out forever because then you'll become yeah unable to eat things yeah i mean as with as with everything like your body likes routine so just keep your food as simple as possible Mm. Um, but look at getting lots of different things on your plate. You know, don't eat the same foods for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Like a lot of us eat the same breakfast and that's fine, but really try and vary it when it comes to your lunch and your dinner. And, you know, the same thing with like adding a bit of fermented foods in can be really good, but if you've got anything untoward going on, it can also be not, really bad. not be good. Gosh, so it's really, it's actually really, really tricky, isn't it? <laughs> because yeah. what, and stress I know is so bad. Yeah, and I was going to say the next thing is, is, you know, the gut-brain connection and thinking about it too much eventually will like drive you insane and that's not going to help mm. your gut bacteria either. One of the most profound things that my Chinese doctor ever said to me was, believe that your body can heal and it will. And that, to me, is all about the power of mindset. Yeah, I really try and instill that into my patients because quite often they come to me with really chronic conditions. Like, I'm treating one girl at the moment who's just been through the mill and it makes my life story sound like a walk in the park. And I feel like, yes, I can help her with her supplementation and her diet and lifestyle, but the main thing that I want to do is, like, support her emotionally because... If you're in a good positive headspace, you will heal so much quicker. And it's the same with your gut bacteria. We know that stress affects it. So try and eliminate that from your life. Like if you're always someone that's rushing, set your alarm 20 minutes earlier. Do your meditation. Get out into nature. Like nature is unbelievably healing. Even if you think you're not really an outdoorsy person, just get outside into a park, fix your eyes on the horizon. Honestly, you will feel so much calmer. It's really important. I totally concur. You love to hug a tree, Tori. (laughs) I love to hug a tree. I've been known to hug a tree as well. I know, you've done it with me, have you not? No, not with you. Not with me. I think I sent you a selfie as I was hugging it, though. Oh, so good. I spent my whole weekend doing it. My girlfriends were like, oh, God, here she goes again. Oh, bless. (laughs) No, it was so nice. Um, Okay, very interesting. I'm I'm going to definitely go and try out the breath thing to see what's going on with my gut bacteria i mean i think you need to do it if you feel like something is going on and if you're noticing other symptoms yeah. otherwise just like just, just be keep happy. living just live your life yeah <laughs> i know i know um okay so really excited i'm just so excited for you that you've launched and everything's kicking off for you. you so what, is there anything that we've got 
coming up for Greece? Well, what I'd really like to do is I'd love to do a retreat. Um, Epic. Because I'm so passionate about getting into nature, wild swimming is something I really love to do. I find it very grounding. And I haven't really figured out the logistics of it yet or the like the way it would work, but that's something that mm. is hopefully on the cards for this year is like some form of retreat, whether it's in like collaboration with someone or just by myself, I'm not sure. And then just talking at more events and the end goal is I've just started working with um, a company called We Are Wilding. Amazing. And they're a creative agency run by a guy called Dr. Adam Gill, who is an ethnographer. And that's the study of people and why we are the way we are. So he has a really in-depth, and he's also worked in like the wellness industry for years, has a really in-depth understanding about things like why we're all so obsessed with knowing what each other are eating and, you know, like what's the next trend that's going to come around. And he hosts um, panel discussions once a month. Um, I'm actually speaking at the one in May. Um, and I'm going to be helping him with that kind of, um, like talking on the panel, but like also hosting it. And that's something I just love doing. Like I really like, I don't know. I love talking to people and I love, I love the, I love the debate and the interesting discussion that comes out when you do events like this. And also like from a podcast, for example, like I love doing my podcast and I'm going to continue to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Can't wait. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions for you. What does balance mean to you? I think, like I said earlier, I think balance and happiness for me are completely intertwined. So I think when I can find balance in my life, and that's like emotionally... So say, for example, you're like emotionally eating, that is not balanced to me. If I can kind of just feel calm and just feel happy and like laugh, just feel joyous then I know that I'm balanced Mm -hmm. and that actually everything else in my body is going to work and to me I'm trying slowly like I said to change myself from this mindset of food equals happiness and the fact that I can now kind of eat what I want makes me happy but actually balance makes me happy and I've got that's what I'm working towards and that's my kind of mantra for now Amazing. So yeah, that's ha- that's balance. my mantra. Balance is happiness. So, yeah, I know. Girl. <laughs> T-Bal. T-Bal. <laughs> You're right here. Um, and what is your favourite recipe at the moment? So I'm a very like ad hoc chef. Everything always works out, but I don't particularly follow recipes. But I did make an incredible wild garlic pesto at the weekend. Yum. I was down in Kent um, with my mum and dad and we went on a long walk and there was this huge verge of just wild garlic growing on a really quiet street so there was no like pollution on it or no, like Amazing. anything like that. So I took a huge bunch of that home and like I said, things that are in season are kind of sort of better for us at that particular point in time. It's kind of what your body's craving right now. So I just put that in the blender with loads of olive oil, a good glug of tahini, half a lemon juiced, um, two tablespoons of nutritional yeast, and a tiny bit of maple syrup and salt and pepper. And honestly, like it's potent stuff. You can probably smell my breath right now because I had it for lunch, (laughs) but it's so delicious. So yeah. Amazing. Wild garlic pesto. Okay, I might try that. The recipe's on my page. Okay, perfect. I'm going to go search it. So good. Thank you. And what is the one thing that you would never leave the UK without? For me, it's, a pair of footwear that I am comfortable either walking or jogging in because I am nowhere if I can't get out first thing in the morning and have a walk. 
to me, that really sets me up for the day, just being able to see nature, have some time to myself. It's also when I say my little mantra that I've got going at the moment, which is never something I ever used to do. Like, I'm a very unkooky person. Although I did learn to meditate 15 years ago, so I was ahead of the curve. Yeah, but I've been very off and on with it. But at the moment, I get into the park every morning, and if I feel up to it, I jog. Because for me, the road back to exercising has been a very long and slow one, but I'm, I'm back to kind of jogging now. And halfway round, I will stop and I'll say, I'm happy, I'm calm, I'm stress-free. And I just say that a few times, mm. and it's just worked. I love that. I know that's so weird, but like it's actually, it's it's, it's actually worked, and I have been so much less stressed since then. So yeah, a pair of trainers so that I can just walk and jog and... There she is. Yeah. No, I love that. Well done. Great, great. Because one. obviously I am gonna take my passport, you know? Yeah. And my and my water bottle and all that normal normal of stuff. Of course, of course. But I meant yeah, you know what I meant. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna finish up with a really quick, quick fire. Yeah. So Grace. So excited for this. Roll. <laughs> Eggs or pancakes? Oh my god, I'm so bad at quick fire. <laughs> Eggs. Okay. The countryside or the beach. Oh, God, the beach. Kombucha or green smoothie? Kombucha. England or Australia? England. <gasps> She's not going anywhere. I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grace, thank you so oh, much. Well, it's been so lovely chatting to you, and thank you for giving us all of your pearls of wisdom. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the first episode as much as I did. I very much take the approach of listening to your body and what it's asking of you or needing from you, but this episode has really re-highlighted it to me and just how important this is. So if something isn't working correctly for you, then don't ignore it and always believe that you can heal it. If you did enjoy the episode, I'd be so unbelievably grateful if you could rate it and leave a comment because it will help to get the podcast out there. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but until then, stay balanced.